0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
2: Hello here, and welcome to this post-signing day edition. Sean Callahan, Robin Wachett, Steve Simple. Robin Washington and I are celebrating as signing day is in the books um, is not celebrating yet. We've well, we got to get up early tomorrow. <laughs> it's been quite a rot run. What do you got there, Robin? I'm just ripping a monster. Monster. Oh, I went with the Coors Light twist off. It yes. is. Monster,
1: that's not alcoholic. Is no. It? Oh, it's so the, Rob-
2: it's It's the opposite. Oh. Get you fired up. Jacked up. Dialed in. Remember when they used to sell the energy drinks with the alcohol in them? They had to get rid of them. But let, let's let's stay on track here. Um, yeah. I Talk to four locos. That's fine. Signing day uh, in the books for <laughs> Nebraska. And, and we're going to break down kind of everything we learned uh, from Matt Rule and the football program here as the Huskers added 28 recruits, um, 11 transfers, 39 total players. They're at 103 now on scholarship. That's the big elephant in the room that's going to be with us for several months. And you can put that on your bingo card that we've already talked about. The 103 players in scholarship is we kind of joke when we talk about that a lot moving forward. Um, but let's focus on just the numbers in general and, and what they did. And, um, you know, I, I thought Matt Rule, guys, was really impressive on signing day. And I mean, it, it, and it's stuff you take for granted, but just like coming up prepared, organized, the details, the way he carries himself, the way he represents Nebraska. You know, I think we knew Matt Rule was going to be a good fit in a lot of ways, but I, I think a lot of the stuff we've seen so far, you're like, man, this, this guy is a lot better, at least right now at this stage of the game, than anyone could have probably predicted.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always want a coach in there that that is that carries himself and operates like a big-time CEO because that's what this program should have. It's that type of program. Um You know why I don't have to go into all those reasons. And he definitely does that. I mean, he really fits that bill. I'm not saying anything about future win loss record. I'm not saying he's the perfect coach or anything like that. But yeah, so far, very professional, very pleasant. Um, Deals with you on a professional way. Now, one thing I'd add Rob and Sean before we move to Rob here. Sean, we call that having 103 players elephant in the room. It wasn't a big topic today. He, he glossed over it pretty fast. Said the new rules in college football allow you to get down. Not worried about it. It wasn't, even though it gets discussed and discussed and discussed. It, nobody. Well, the really, transfer
2: portal is one of those new rules.
1: Yeah, nobody really hit on it too hard today.
2: Mm-hmm. You
4: know? Yeah, I guess my general takeaways along with that: it's this guy that's in total control of of the room. Like he had a direct message of what he wanted to get across. Mm-hmm. He answered in detail the questions he wanted to answer in detail, and he kind of uh, politely declined to get into specifics about stuff he didn't want to talk about, like roster depth chart projections and, and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, like, you know, he wasn't caught off guard by anything, and he's just one of those guys where every time you hear him talk, it's it's the kind of adult in the room type deal where it's it's Matt Rule's show. He He runs everything from start to finish, and he carries himself that way.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Line shows. we break down signing day, opening headlines. Huskers added five players uh, on signing day, which for February, that's a high number. Right? That's the most Nebraska's added since 2018, and that was the very first year of the early signing day period. We've gone some Februarys with no signees, so it was still a busy February day. Luckily, the hay was in the barn by about 9.15 on Wednesday, so there wasn't any drama um, you know with guys maybe switching or changing their mind it was a pretty seamless signing day in a lot of respects and we've been a lot around a lot of these over the years guys where they don't typically go this smooth very often
1: yeah it did there was no there was no drama and it was a very productive day with rule he covered he did cover a lot of ground the mm-hmm. other thing that's striking to me about he likes this team i mean he mentioned he he mentioned that nebraska has a that it's its returning players have a 3.124 GPA. that's 68 of the 61 of the 98 returners have GPAs over 3.0. And he said, when you have that, that's the sign of a great culture. Um, and so he, he he likes he clearly likes what he's walking into. Um, th- I thought that was it. he likes this team, and I'll tell you what sign of a. Well, I'm not saying it's a sign of a good recruiter, but I would say this: recruits notice how a head coach treats the returning players. They notice, and he he's he's very mindful of of treating the the players in the program already well. And I really I really appreciate that.
4: Yeah. And with that, though, he also admitted that you know, he doesn't know a lot of these guys yet. Mm-hmm. He says, how are you going to go about learning your rosters? like, well, they're all going to have names on the back of their yeah. shirts. And so, like, it's <laughs> going to be a process. Like, now course, that yeah. signing day, the book is closed. Now the full attention goes towards this team and getting to know these guys, going to workouts and getting to know guys on a personal level. And he's done that to a degree mm-hmm. with probably a, quite a few players already. But, you know, this is going to be an ongoing process oh, yeah. where, um, you know, he has his opinions based on maybe a – kind of a partial information right now but this this is just the scratching the surface now as far as getting a true feel for this group that he has uh going into the season so um you know i I thought that his honesty and that was good he's like you know what i i'm not going to pretend like i know everybody on the team yet there's 150 some guys that uh i don't even know who they are but uh i think that this is going to be a deal where he's going to make a concerted effort and as, as coaches as well to try to connect with as many players as possible on a personal level and not just look them as player X, player Y he's, he's going to get to know them on and off the field.
2: And he's very comfortable in just everything about his approach, which jumps out to me. Like when he walked in the room, he just kind of joked to the media. He goes, Hey, if you guys don't tape me, like walking up to the podium and doing the walk-in, I promise I'll tell you some good information.
1: No, he said the first three questions I won't engage in. St- Coach, coach speak. speak coach yeah. speak. Yeah, he said the first
2: three. And then, you know, Ed, Fo- you had Ed Foley, um, who went, you know, Ed Foley's press conference this week went as long or longer than Matt Rule's. And Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt Rule goes, <laughs> Ed Foley likes the press conference. Yeah. He, you know, and, and they, they get, he goes, and I, and he goes, I watch all my guys talk. Like, yeah, he does. That was interesting. Do you mm-hmm. think, okay, let me ask you this. Do you think Scott Frost or Mike Riley or Bo Pelini watched all the interviews of their assistant coaches? I don't. I don't know. All of them. Yeah, All of them, to, not just like every once in a while, every to one say of them. They,
4: they may have been briefed on them, yeah. but to sit down and watch. Yeah. And he said part of it was because they want to find things to make fun of them afterwards. <laughs> like if yeah. they say something that they can jab them later. But uh, you know, he also said that he didn't like some of the – like Terrence Knighton. Um, he made the comments about – Knighton com-
1: said the staff's really competitive. The
4: competition okay. within the staff. And like Matt Rule may wanted to clarify that. Like It's not like – who can get the most recruits and you know, who can undercut the the other coach to sign a guy in their room as opposed to another room? It's a it's a healthy.
2: Well we saw that though. here at Nebraska over the years, where mm-hmm. other assistant coaches Absolutely. We saw cut it over recently. other guys <laughs> to take recruits over them. And it happened on the previous staff. And yeah. It got a little nat- I mean a little dicey behind the scenes.
1: And what did I always tell you, Sean? What I, what would I, I would always tell you? that is a head coach issue that the head coach has to nip that in the bud yep. you can't that's a that's a that 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 leadership has to come from the top you can't if that's happening which it was mm-hmm. that's that has to be nipped in the bud by the head coach he has to be aware of it and then he has to
2: deal with you it you can't let assistants run rogue in recruiting no and that's happening it
1: nebraska. happens it happens around the country I Yeah, mean, it's not just
2: nebraska right. and i think that what you you look at what he did to build this staff like he built the staff of guys that would fit his model. He could have, with the money he was given from Trev Alberts to build the staff, he could have went out and brought in the all-star band of coaches. And he had the, I'm sure people wanted to work here for him. But he chose to kind of go around to build a team of guys that will work for him. 14, I thought that was interesting too, 14 of these coaches have played for Matt Rule Mm -hmm. at his previous stops, whether it's Western Carolina, Temple, Baylor, Carolina Panthers, um, and that was a real interesting nugget that he shared, because if, I, you know, if, if the players are frustrated, these coaches know me well enough to say, hey, that's his coach. You know, like they have a really good insight to Matt Rule that they can you, you know, relate that to the team.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Okay, now he ta- he's pleasant, and he talks about a family atmosphere, but he also says it's not e- this, is, this is not gonna be easy, and it's not easy, and we, have, we do work and he did, "Sean, you asked him right out of the gate. Now you have this class intact. Can you breathe?" He said, "No, we're not I'm not I'm not. Yeah. No." He looked sprint. at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so, no, I'm not taking any, He said, "I'm not taking any time off. It's a sprint." And um, then he got into, "Yeah, we now you get to know the team." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't I think he's interesting to me because he's very pleasant, but you know he'd be pretty Demanding, or not? No, not pretty. He'll be very Very demanding. demanding. Yeah, very demanding coach. Every
4: every assistant that we've listened to talk has said the same thing. Like Matt Rule expects a lot from them, and he has a very high standard for everybody that works for him. Mm -hmm. Look at the the Ed Foley example. We've spent the last however many weeks praising him for getting around to every 75 high schools around the state and Matt's like you guys make a big deal about this that's like the expectation eight high schools a day is the bare minimum mm-hmm. of what I want these coaches to down. go out and do like i mean like that's that's like we're praising guys for for the the minimum expectation right. about so like i mean that just shows you just the, how high the bar is set internally not just for the team but for the entire
2: staff all right when we come back we're going to talk more about Matt Rule Uh, Some interesting stuff brewing as well in Carolina with his previous employer. We're going to get into that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker
0: Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Simple, we're having Washett, post-signing day edition. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us on one of our many affiliates across Nebraska or to downloading us on the Husker Online podcast channel or watching us on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate your support. This segment of the program is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road, as well as their neighbor next door, Tavern 180. Two fabulous restaurants. Get on into to either one. Get a steak at Tavern 180. Go in there for brunch on Saturday, Sunday or go into Tanner's. Uh, watch all the college basketball, uh, all the football action going on. Was in there, guys, for a church meeting last week. We had a, we have our big Husker night coming up at St. Michael's February 9th. Mm-hmm. Had our big meeting there for uh, the final pieces of Husker night and got the side room rented out. Um, had, had about 20 guys in there, and we got things ready to go. Had some great wings. Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. But I wanted to get into um, just what's going on with Matt Rule. Um, the Carolina Panthers um, and Matt Rule are in a dispute right now about money owed, and I, I think Simple, when he was first hired, and you could speak on this because you were you, you kind of had some inside knowledge. One of the reasons why the deal almost fell through was because of this money owed by the Carolina Panthers. They don't want to pay Matt Rule their end of the money. They want Nebraska to pay all of the money. Well, you know, we thought at least that they had this thing figured out. Carolina was going to pay what twelve million dollars. Uh, of the money owed, and Nebraska's going to pay like what sixty two on a 74 million dollar agreement it. Good job. and Carolina um, is trying to say they're not going to pay all that money that Nebraska is on the hook, and now it's got into the hands of the lawyers and and just through your knowledge of situations like this, how do you see this going
1: uh, it's hard to say, Sean I just uh, what I, what I think back to Sean is. First of all, remember what Trev Alberts said on November 28th, which I think was the day that he introduced Matt Rule. He said that contract negotiations with Matt Rule were a long, arduous process, and a lot of it was, Trev said, because it was a three way negotiation. It wasn't a, it wasn't your typical you know two way negotiation. it was it was three. and now so there's some fallout here, and I don't know. I don't, Sean. I don't know how these things usually go because I don't think they're very common. So I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to speculate on that.
4: Yeah. So basically, the details are he's filing a arbitration suit against the Panthers for severance compensation. And now, while that total of the offset pay he's claiming the Carolina Panthers owe him hasn't been specifically divulged, the contract would lead you to believe it's roughly about five million dollars. So. I mean, that's a pretty good chunk of change right there that I guess we'll see how that goes. But that's kind of the, the gist of, okay. of what, what he's dealing with
2: right well, my now. My question, though, is if the Carolina Panthers wrote that contract, why would they try to get out of it? I mean, they are the ones that agreed to the terms of the contract they owed him, And you, when you put a contract together, you understand that. And Nebraska, on their end, has done their best to give Matt Rule fair pay, fair, fair mitigated pay mm-hmm. where, you know, the money will get up to a certain point in time. But, you know, what, what are we talking about here? The Carolina wants to pay him seven instead of the 12. I mean, is that really kind of the, the, the cliff notes of this?
4: It's kind of what it seems like. I mean, there's very little details that I've seen about it outside of just kind of the general synopsis of what the suit is and roughly how much he says the Panthers owe him.
2: What do you think, Sip? Any, anything else? Nope.
1: Largely uninterested. In <laughs> yeah, it. and Matt, Matt <laughs> Rule was, yeah, was asked about it. They're haggling over some money. Yeah,
4: for clarity, Matt Rule was asked about it, and he politely declined. He says, I understand why you're asking, but I can't talk about yeah. it. So, for me, that's that's it.
2: All right, you're <laughs> listening here to the Husker line Show. Another thing that jumped out about Matt Rule today uh, on signing day were just his relationships and how they played a key factor in a lot of elements of, of building this roster. Number one, Fran Brown at Georgia. Yep. The three guys that he got insight on – from the Bulldogs, and Matt Rule didn't know they were going to get any of these guys. It just worked itself out. But then Jake Peets also coached tight end Eric Eric Gilbert. Um, And so he was at LSU with Mm Peets. Fran Brown was at Georgia with him. That was big. But then I thought that Jeff Nixon's story with Xavier Betts was even more fascinating because here you had will nixon from the recruiting class of 2020 the same recruiting class as xavier Betts. so jeff nixon a football coach by nature who's worked with matt rule for a better part of his career very familiar with xavier bets because his son played in the same team the same position the same recruiting class and he told matt rule you need to take xavier bets and bring this guy back onto the team you know you you, you could be good for this young man and, and it would be good for everybody to have xavier Betts back in nebraska
1: Yeah. Rule does. You can tell you understand listening to rule why he's a good recruiter. Um, And he is. You can say he is. I mean, his his work at Temple and Baylor speak for itself. And he is a very much relationship relationships person. They're they're big to him. He takes time. He takes time to develop relationships. You can tell that's big. He's not a guy that's buried in his office all day long. Looking at film, you can tell he's out. Well, in fact, I mean, he's out watching tennis. The girls, the women's tennis team play. He's out making. He's, he makes, he makes time for people, and and he, and, he, and his coaches pick up on that. He told that story about Scott Satterfield doing, going by what was Aurora Jesuit. He wasn't going to stop there on his trip to Colorado to recruit, but he saw the high school, said, okay, I'm going to stop in. And they ended up signing a kid today from Aurora Jesuit, the corner. That, I mean, see, see what happens there? That's a guy, Satterfield, doing probably what happened there is rule rubbed off on him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what happens with these guys there. I think that's what kind of staff we got. And I'm going to tell you something. There hasn't always been that here. We haven't always seen that at Nebraska. That's what Trev wanted. All of this is what, remember what Trev Remember what Trev said the day he fired Scott Frost? One of the key attributes that he identified in what he wants in the next coach is what, a grinder. He's got a staff of grinders.
2: He does. It, that's what he wanted. And it starts from the top. Yep. And Trev was in the back of the room. Did you notice him on signing day? Mm-hmm. I did not. Yeah. Very fly on the wall like Trev Really? Roberts. Yeah. Just yeah. sitting back, observing his head coach. Then he scooted out of there? Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I And they're not
2: doing, you know, it's interesting. I'm paid like, to notice things and I did not. Uh. This used to be obviously a big day of parties and celebrations. And yeah, d- d- there, there isn't anything going on. I mean, there.
1: Oh, there's no, like there's no. Yeah, Sean, they used to have those big dinners,
2: those mm-hmm. big elaborate dinners. That's not happening. Those things have just kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's everywhere. I've li- I listened to Fulbright on ESPNU and, um, you know, they talked about how a lot of that's gone. Away. Why is that? December signing day. It's, it's really hard to execute those parties in December because it's so close to Christmas. And, yeah, good point. And, you know, think about this year, like yeah. what was going on. I'd
1: pr- I prefer not to. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: how sick we were. And, yeah. you know, everyone was battling the holidays coming right. around and signing day was right there. So it's hard to do them in December. And then in February, there's not much. Mm-hmm. Now, we will do, for promotional sake here, we're doing a uh, Husker recruiting night at St. Michael's mm-hmm. on February 9th. Coming up, and the money for that, the proceeds are going going to go to former Husker staffer Scott Johnston, uh, who's battling uh, Lou Gehring's disease. Um, so we'll break down the film. But who's Ed, we? Uh, Ed Foley, special teams coordinator. Vince Ginta is going to be there as well now, um, and then we'll have some other special Husker guests there um, that are going to be figured out here in the coming days. But uh, we'll draw about four hundred fifty people, and you could still get tickets to that. It's ten dollars to go. Not a media event. Though. Uh, no media allowed. No media coverage. Uh, no streaming of the event. It's for the crowd in place and the fundraiser that night. So it should be a great night. We've done it now. This is our tenth year of the St. Michael's sweet recruiting night. So uh, looking forward to that. And those are a lot of fun. I mean, just a, a Greg Peterson, our film guy, will put together a tape. And we got to we got to get thirty nine guys on there. But <laughs> we're going to we're gonna keep the video to like thirty five minutes. I mean, that's my. Th- I, we're not going to be down there for two hours
3: yeah, watching. It's
2: you know. a lot, but you can do it keep it short but all right when we come back we're talking to braska basketball the huskers fell short at illinois uh they've got a tough stretch ahead we'll hear more on that next you're listening to the husker online show
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on
2: Nebraska athletics, and we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washet. Uh, signing day in the books for Nebraska Husker basketball season, um, continuing on a tough path, um, losing on the road, 72 to 56 at Illinois. Uh, Nebraska though did have a 50 to 48 lead with 12 minutes to play in that game, but the Illini went on a 24-6 run to finish it out as Brad Underwood's very talented team came to life when it mattered. Nebraska now 10-13, and 3-9 in the Big 12. Robin Washett, Penn State coming in Sunday. Uh, where do you think this team is at right now?
4: Uh, they kind of are what they are at this point. Um, they've tried about everything they possibly could do given their roster situation. They started their seventh different starting five of the season throwing in Fredshirt freshman walk on Sam Hoiberg into the starting lineup. Uh, he had zero points and a rebound with one shot attempt in 11 minutes. So, you know, they, this kind of just is, it's a a deal where like, I don't know how much better things can get. The only thing that can really happen in my opinion is Nebraska can, can clean its own play up. Uh, the turnovers have to stop when you're turning the ball over, uh, over 15 times a game for the last three games. Um, the last three opponents have scored 20 points or more off turnovers and for a team that is already fighting it as much as they are offensively and has such a razor thin margin for error to not even win but to just be competitive right now when you're giving the ball away at that rate you're not going to beat anybody so that's for me um one thing that nebraska can control you know their their limitations are what they are they're not all of a sudden going to you know become elite level shooters and scores um you know they obviously lost a lot defensively and on the glass but what they can do is just play under control and not get you know so caught up in the moment and make so many unforced errors that are costing them games right now i mean that, that game was tied with 10 minutes to go against illinois they had every opportunity to make that thing very interesting down the stretch but they couldn't stay out of their own way. They kept giving away the ball, and Illinois took full advantage, and that that was the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, it would have been a hell of a trick for Nebraska to turn it over on 27% of its possessions and win a Big Ten game on the road. Yeah, it it, It just doesn't happen. No, that's right, yeah. Now, they had 19 turnovers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walker, who's been fabulous in many ways for Nebraska, is a lot of the problem. I mean, yep. he's turning it over – I mean, how many – 16
4: uh, turnovers in his last three games.
1: Yeah. Now, think about that. That's a that's a big number. A little, six last night. And Fred has said – this is not Sippel talking. This is Fred talking. Um, he's been a casual with the ball, a little yeah. too casual with the ball. He does get casual with the ball sometimes. Yeah.
4: And for me, the issue with that is there's so much on his plate right now mm-hmm. where you're asking a center to facilitate your offense in the half court. Yep. I mean – that, that's, that's a luxury to have, like mm-hmm. when you pair that with your guards. But because they lost Emmanuel Bandemel and Sam Griesel, I mean, he's he's the one guy they have at that point guard spot. Derek Walker's having to do so much more than probably any other center in the conference right now.
2: That double dribble play, Robin, was just kind of like the breaking point. Mm-hmm. That play, like you just don't see a Big Ten basketball player do something like that, where well, he's just dribbling in the corner. Yeah, and... her balls balls dribb- fault Going off
4: their foot, or they're throwing it to nobody, like that sort of stuff. Like it's not just like Illinois had a high pressure defense was creating turnovers. Like Nebraska was just throwing the ball away or dribbling it off their foot. Like those those are the types of things that I think teams that you know I don't know what what exactly the the issue is with that, but. That's the one thing that I think that they have direct control over. like they're And gonna, defense. Yeah.
1: You always control your defense. Yeah,
4: but I mean, they're, they're going to regress just because of what they lost. Like, mm-hmm. no one is going to re- replicate what Emmanuel bandamel did on the perimeter. No one is going to be the rim protector rebounder that Juwan Gary was on that roster. But... Uh, they can play with much better effort, in my opinion. But more importantly, they can play under much better control offensively. That can help them on the defense on well, the floor.
2: They're not going to get the calls either, Rob. I, mean, I think that's yeah. kind of established. Oyburg like, kind of went
4: off on that. Their their, their lack
2: of physicality, you know, without those guys you mentioned, and their lack of length, and that, you know, it just gets exposed in the in the street fight type games where teams like Illinois have the length and the size and. When they trap, they're not going to get the calls. I mean, they're they're, they're going to have to fight through contact just to get out of traps. And, and Illinois doesn't, you know, like that that came up a lot last night. It felt like
4: yeah, and you never know what you're going to get with Big Ten officiating either. Like for some reason, I've never seen box outs get whistled for fouls more <laughs> in my entire life than that game. Mm. And so like it's one of those deals where I mean, you have to be able to adapt and just again how limited Nebraska is. It, it's hard for them to adjust like they they can play one way and they have to play that one way perfectly to have a chance and when there's any other variables whether it be their own mistakes or officiating or whatever it may be it's so difficult for them to overcome and they just you know the,
2: the
4: their ability to overcome adversity is so hard right now
2: yeah how are guys robin getting called for fouls when they're literally in position for of complaints. that is kind of head scratching like I'm like, oh that's gotta be a foul in Illinois. No, they're calling the foul on Nebraska. Yeah, where because- Illinois
4: is crashing the glass, jumping over guys backs, and Nebraska's getting whistled for a foul for boxing out. Like I mean, there was a lot of people on Twitter and on our message board that were uh, seeing the same things we mm-hmm. were there. And so again unfortunately that's just kind of the state of big 10 officiating right now where state it of NFL seems like <laughs> seems like every week you're getting head coaches not just like disgruntled fans mm-hmm. like uh Woodson in Indiana he's gone off on the refs multiple times mm-hmm. uh, uh, Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State has done it Fred Hoiberg said that you know there are stars in our league that get calls but that doesn't apply to Derek Walker mm-hmm. you know so it's like they're also seeing it this isn't just some deal where it's just like fans trying to find excuses for why their team lost like mm-hmm. across the league there's been a lot of vocal complaints about the inconsistency in how games are being officiated and I think you want to talk big picture why is the Big Ten suck in the NCAA tournament every year I think it's because how their games are officiated in the regular season and, and then that they're and not, then they're not translating them. into the tournament
2: then, interesting then they get in foul trouble right away and they don't know how to adjust um, you're listening here to the Husker Line show as we talk Nebraska basketball with Robin Washett. Penn State comes in on Sunday, um, a Sunday afternoon. No NFL special going on, um, so it, it will be intriguing just to see the atmosphere, the crowd, mm-hmm. um, kind of what the support level is going to be. Knowing kind of the U-turn this season has taken the last couple of weeks.
4: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Um. You know, it's funny looking at Ken Palm rankings right now, Nebraska's only a slight underdog. I think they got a three point game, so yeah. in theory, it they shouldn't be it shouldn't be some insurmountable task to beat Penn State, but Penn State plays really good offense. They're one of the best three point shooting teams in the conference. And they lit Nebraska up out in state college when they played the first time. So, you know, again Is
1: that a fifteen point game?
4: Uh, yes, I think, I believe so. But either yeah,
1: Nebraska, way, Nebraska, Nebraska made it a yes, game. No, that.
4: no, it was 11. It oh, was an 11, 11 point okay. game, 76 65. But to that point, like this is a game that again, if, if things go a very specific way for Nebraska, they, they should have every, every chance to win this oh, game. absolutely. But the odds of, you know, all those factors coming into play, especially
2: Nebraska staying out of its own way. You know, we'll we'll see if that can happen. All right. When we come back, we're going to bring in Abby Barmore. We'll take your post-signing day questions and more in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn
0: more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washett. Let's bring in the fourth member of our team, the always well-liked, very popular Abby Barmore. Uh, joining us here wow. on the Husker Online Show. Abby, welcome.
3: Hello. What a great introduction. <laughs> was,
2: that, was that cringy?
3: No, that was my favorite one. That's,
2: your be- that's the best one <laughs> of good. all of them. Okay, well, nice. uh, mailbag time, a lot of questions after signing day. What are you going to lead us off with?
3: All right, here we go. Of the players who signed today, who makes an immediate impact this next season?
2: And I think let's keep this discussion to just non-transfers, because transfers is, like, easy, you know, like – I think we'd all be like M.J. Sherman. Nah. Um, I mean, I, come on, who is it then? There's not many. Sean, Tristan Alvano for sure. Okay, the kicker. the kicker. Yeah, and then you say for
1: sure. What would Timmy Bleak wrote if he
2: was sitting on that couch over there? What would he say to that? What would he say? Well, I think I think Alvano has got more leg talent, more ability, more athletic ability. Okay. Um, I, I just think he's a better sure. prospect.
1: That's interesting analysis. I mean, you're projecting
2: Alvano to be the starting kicker. I am interesting i think he'll i think he's got more than timmy bleaker i've seen him live off the ground in memorial stadium on a late november night mm-hmm. kick the ball better than a brass kicker kickers kicked the ball in a long time so
1: you're looking for opportunity could cameron lenhart get in there at edge princewell
2: yeah prince Will. or or you know riley prince man Will. popple
1: yeah could they work their way into an edge discussion that you you're looking at need right um now guy coleman yeah yeah malachi that was be coleman. my pick
4: okay just because of how like every opportunity the staff raves about him like not just matt rule but like every defensive coaches mm-hmm. talk about him mm-hmm. and not just his athletic ability but how much they respect him as a person and mm-hmm. what he's gone through and what he's overcome in his life like i think that he's got every opportunity especially considering just how wide open that receiver room is to, to come in and, and maybe get some meaningful snaps what do you got next, Abby?
3: What grade would you give Matt Rule on putting together his staff at the same time he was recruiting?
2: I mean, I, I'm not doing that. It's it's hard to put an actual letter grade, but I mean, he did a really good job. There, there was adversity in the middle of all this. You, you think about they had some guy, they had some guys they had talked to like Jake Peets, <laughs> and that kind of fell through. I would love to know kind of how the Bob Wager piece came in together. Cause did it just happen when they were recruiting Ishmael Smith Flores? Or was Bob Wager always in play or did he only become in play after the Pete's thing fell through? Hard to know. The re- the only reason guys I say I don't want to grade at Abby is because
1: I don't want to grade I don't I prefer not to grade a staff
3: of that hasn't assistants.
1: Yeah, that hasn't coached a single game, and I'd almost prefer not to wait. I, I'd almost prefer to wait two years. I mean, you can't really
2: in this world wait. Like the wait Tony like that. White hire, it's either going to be a home run or like whoa, like I, I mean, because yeah, like, but you can't judge it after a year. Like even. when Bob Diaco first came in, we're like, look at this handsome guy from Notre Dame, and oh, he big, got we was, big we gushed all over. Yeah,
1: we got we the media corps. We well, gushed I
2: mean, his Notre his Dame suits. defense
4: in the title game was like one of the best in the country. So at least there was something tangible with that. And, you know, he definitely had the show element about yeah, him. Did. But, you know, for as far as grading the staff, he got a lot of guys that he knew. Like it's a lot of his old former players, former coaches, fellow staffs, guys that worked with him before. So there's a lot of familiarity there. but. You know, there are some outliers. Like he's—he never met Tony Look White. At that sweater. Like he never coached—coached <laughs> coached with Tony White. So I mean, he went out of his box with a guy like that, yeah. and you know, he took some risks on some guys. From like Garrett McGuire, young guy cutting his teeth in the Big Ten. Is he gonna flame out, or is he gonna be the next Lincoln Riley? You know, I mean, like the, who knows? It's, yeah. How I do you grade it? It's now? It's way too early to know about a lot yeah. of those guys. How but, do you
1: grade Terrence Knight?
4: Yeah, and you know, Bob Wager was coaching high school last yeah. year. So, who knows? Right.
2: Ed Foley and, and Evan Cooper though those are like core Ed uh, Matt Rule guys they've been with him mm-hmm. like uh, you you know those are like foundational pieces absolutely like when you look at this makeup of the staff then he's got the younger kind of soldiers that he feels are going to be great assistants great recruiters mm-hmm. that's that's the guy the guys he's brought in so you know then the Tony White hire though is going to be the interesting piece how he blends with guys he's never worked with before mm-hmm.
1: yeah and Satterfield will have a big. A big spotlight and Satterfield's a core it. guy, too. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, is a core guy, and he'll have a bright spotlight yeah. on him. We'll
4: say in two months they've done a good job. So yeah. good grades through two months. Yeah. What do you got next, Abby?
3: Is Thomas Fedoni finally healthy, and what is Nebraska's offense going to look like with him and Eric Gilbert?
2: Yeah, I think he is healthy. Um, he was very close last year. You heard Sean Beckton, the former tight ends coach, say he was like 95%, and this was in October or early November on their coaches' radio shows they did. That's right, Sean. You know, you you just wonder, like, if the situations were changed and, like, Frost was still coaching and his job was on the line and it was really tight in October or November, would all of a sudden Fedoni found himself on the field? Or were they going to be – were they going to stand pat on holding him out and playing it safe like they did? We'll never know the answer to that. But I I think Thomas Fedoni, from talking to, like, Niles Paul, for example, when he watched Niles – he didn't know who Thomas Fedoni was – Niles Paul played for Nebraska NFL tight end. He said, like, look, I didn't know who that guy was. He looked like George Kittle running around. So he's got the tools. Eric Gilbert, we know, has the tools. He's got to have to lose a little bit of weight. I know that. He's, he, You know, he's got to get himself in shape. That won't be hard. I think Eric Gilbert is as talented as a player on this roster. Like, mm. Fedoni Gilbert, take everything out of it and just go off, like, their potential. Mm. Is there even a more potential of nfl players on the, on the roster at one position than tight end
1: no i mean look at where they mm-hmm. were in their recruiting class i mean gilbert was the highest rated recruit in any position in the modern era for mm-hmm. tight ends for tight, mm-hmm. okay for tight ends
2: highest ranked tight end. And fedoni was the number one tight end the previous year yeah they got, they got a world of potential there and i just keep it at that
4: right now but that's the thing that's all it is right now mm-hmm. is potential mm-hmm. What do you got next?
3: If you can go to the Minnesota or Colorado game as a fan, which one would you go to?
4: Colorado, uh,
1: emphatically. Colorado, emphatically. Why? Because it's it's a gorgeous scene. You got prime. It's a it's a hot rivalry. Former Big Eight, Big Twelve, Big Six. Uh, maybe not Big Six, but yeah. Big That's Eight, gonna, like, Big be Twelve.
4: Be a national marquee game.
2: Yeah, it's not even close to me. I mean, going to Minnesota. Eh. That's big noon. Well, big noon out there would be a a 10 a.m. game. Whatever the game. So you wonder if – Do you remember how hot it was? I mean, when I say hot, I mean, remember how intense it was Mm -hmm. against Colorado last time Mm -hmm. around? Remember that intensity in that stadium? It's crazy. Could it be – do you guys think that could be an NBC, like, primetime game?
4: I mean, the Dion factor, I mean, obviously Nebraska carries its own weight, but you add in Dion's first home game at Colorado, I mean, that's – that's big time. That's right there. good. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game. Now,
2: the CBS part of the deal, I don't think that's in play yet this year. I think there's – we don't – I mean, the new multimedia rights thing, there's going to be new games and how it all, it's all going to play out. But, guys, I'm a big fan of this Minnesota game, though, too. Thursday night, yeah. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, the, sure. where
4: it lands on the calendar is what makes it different. Yeah,
2: I mean, I've spent a lot of November and October weekends in Minneapolis. I'm looking forward to a late August weekend with the weather, the state Beautiful bear, up there. Beautiful there.
4: Minnesota State Fair is as good of a state fair, like maybe next to Texas. Have you been before, Robin? Yes. Yes, I went to a concert up there.
1: It was oh, awesome. Who did you see? Atmosphere. Never heard of him.
2: He's a rapper. <laughs> did you go to Genuine? <laughs> I did that, not go to Genuine. That was ter- that's what Terrence Knighton went to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robin can sing their songs. I can. I know Genuine. Yeah, don't sing it. Don't sing Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking about taking my family up to Minnesota. Yeah, the
4: fact that it's a Thursday before the holiday weekend and you can make a four-day trip out of it, Like that, you know, as a fan, like if you wanted to like extend your trip beyond just the football, then you maybe talk yourself into Minnesota. But from a football standpoint, and you're going to Boulder. I mean, it doesn't get much better than Boulder.
2: The only issue for Minnesota is if Robin goes with his family separate, I go with mine. We got to figure out how to get you up there. Mm. Well, yeah, you can ride with us. Yeah, you sit between my kids.
1: I think I can figure it out, Sean.
2: You're John Madden. You don't drive. I don't like to. Nobody likes <laughs> You're me to drive. You're the John Madden of the media corps. You ain't driving to Minneapolis. Nobody lets me drive. That's what it is. I don't mind driving. <laughs> all right. What do you got left, Abby? We got time for two more.
3: Two more. Okay. Of all the assistant coaches that have talked on the podium so far, who have you been most impressed with? Ooh.
1: Hmm. Rob, you go first.
4: Okay. Uh, my answer would be Evan Cooper. Okay. I just like kind of everything that he's about just with how on point he is with Matt rule and just how, I mean, you can see why he is Matt rules right-hand man. Like he seems like a guy that connects with rule differently than probably anybody else on this staff. And, um, his, the excitement he has about recruiting and watching film and evaluating players and identifying diamonds in the rough. Like you could tell it's genuine. Like that's something that he lives for. And so I think that I I was just really impressed with his energy that he talked about both with um, no recruiting. And then also with the coaching guys and getting to know the guys he's inheriting in that room and uh, how excited he is to try and develop them. So I just kind of that, that youthful energy that he brings uh, caught my attention.
2: I'm going to – and we may have the same one, but I, I really liked Marcus Satterfield. No,
4: we don't have the same one. Um, Good.
2: I just liked his style, his just his, the way he carried himself up there and mm-hmm. um, never thought I'd get to this point in my career where I'm like the same age as the veteran coaches on staff, but I am now, and um, I just liked – I thought – I just was impressed with just his approach and how he went about things.
1: Yeah, and for me it was Terrence Knighton yes, uh, this week. I thought right away – He's a younger guy. He's 36 years old. He hasn't been in the business very, very long. But you guys noticed he come, he came in and commanded the room really well. You know why? Because he likes doing this. He likes the media element. Mm. He was telling Keith Mann that when he – I think it was with the Broncos – well, he was with Jacksonville and Denver. It could have been either one of those places that the media corps voted him like the most personable interview, the best interview <laughs> and he likes it he, he likes doing you can tell he li- he said he liked doing it mm-hmm. he and he and he went so far as to say I, I look forward i couldn't believe my ears when he said this he said i look forward to getting to know you guys let's we'll like, be careful what see you see what he's saying there. in november um, but yeah <laughs> that was nice to it was nice to hear him say that i just thought i could s- understand why the he would be a good recruiter i mean he, you, you can see him in any type of living room um, any type of setting, being very comfortable. I was really
2: struck um, by Terrence Knight. E.J. Barthol, I forgot about him. I mean, he he was really good, too. I mean, he cried on the Yeah, podium. he was
4: tearing up about his former players. Yeah. I mean,
2: something be said for that. So, yeah, lots there. All right, final question. Abby Barmore in the mailbag. What are we closing the show down with?
3: All right, so we've been talking a lot about Ed Foley going on the road, visiting a lot of towns and high schools in small-town Nebraska. So what is your favorite restaurant in the state of Nebraska? And try to stay away from, you know, Lincoln or Omaha. Yeah, let's just eliminate
4: one. Lincoln and Omaha.
2: Well, like, yeah, they went to Stella's in Bellevue. Phenomenal I've taken SIP to Stella's, and we're you know, I went to high school with Stephanie Francois. Who, they run the place. That's, that's a phenomenal <clears throat> burger joint. They went there as a staff uh, when they were in the Bellevue Papillion areas. Uh, but what do I got for my favorite place around the state? This, I mean, I, I go a lot of places, guys, so – um, I got one. All right, what do you got, Seth?
1: Dresbach's in Grand Island, the steakhouse right there on the main drag. I, I, I used to enjoy going there. I haven't been to Grand Island lately, but Still Dresbach's, open? Still there? I don't know that. Haven't been there. I got to think so. Anybody from Grand Island, please chime in. We're um, Scott.
2: We need to ask Scott my, our friend Scott Gorka. But, you
1: know, it was a steakhouse, and it was excellent. It was very, very sp- oh, just kind of grassrootsy steakhouse, nice. Uh, But not, you could go in there with jeans and
2: boots on and you'd be fine. I've been to some unique ones like a steakhouse in uh, Junietta. Okay. Called the Plainsman. I went there for a lunch once, spoke to a, um, and I'm going to get crap on the Red Sea Scrolls because they always laugh at the speeches I give, but I spoke to like a, like a f- crop fertilizer you should get crap for that. By the way, I spoke to a crop fertilizer group. You did. Um, at I thought that was riveting. <laughs> they had prime rib and it was just unbelievable prime rib. And really I've like literally like when I'm on the road, like I always can maybe go on a Monday. They're never open on Monday. It's like they're really day off. Cause I go to McCook every year on Monday mm-hmm, to speak. And I, every year on a Monday right? and I could, Work this out to go the Hastings way into McCook if I wanted to, and it's never open. So, no, it's not open on uh, Mondays. That's a universal restaurant. Then Alley Rose and Carney and Cunningham's and Carney. Those oh are, yeah, Cunningham's—that's a good, uh, one. That's those a good are, one. Those are those are up there for me as really good. And Copper Mill and McCook—I'll put them in that category. Okay. God, you get around more. I'll
1: throw
4: the Pepper Mill out from Valentine. Ooh, yeah. Like I've been that. there a couple times, and you know, just good. It's a solid thing and they got a bar attached to it too so it's it's a multi-purpose steak steak yeah you know don't mess around abby get the beef
3: oh i knew you might call on me i don't know if i i don't know if i have one i go to a lot of very small towns so maybe not one that you guys would know
2: what town (laughs) try me
3: um, so you well, know who you're talking to? my cousins <laughs> went to high school in why not? so okay, mm-hmm. yep. Not? there's about like 130 people there, so they have a,
1: a bar, they call
3: bro. it Devil's Den because that's Ooh. their high school mascot, they're the devils. It's pretty good. They have a fish fry there on Friday nights. Okay. That sounds pretty good. elite. I'll give you
2: another <laughs> one, Wolf's Den in Stanton. Okay. If you're kind of like in that Norfolk-Columbus triangle, yeah. yeah, it's a good place to veer off, they serve, they serve a the regular hamburger is twelve ounces. That's obscene. <laughs> and, 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 and it's like I'm not joking. Twelve ounces. It's burger. ridiculous. And cool. and it's like six bucks. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Like of course. Did you get it? Oh yeah. Like I just get you just order a hamburger. It's like twelve. It's like twelve ounces. That's beautiful. That's big. that sounds very good.
0: There it
1: is. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my Sean God! Lincoln. Look at no, is the, that it? Is
2: that the bur- is that my Twitter? I don't
1: know. How, how no did yet. you find that?
2: Yeah, that's the is that the Wolf's Den and Stanton? Yep. That's that, you know, that, that looks that's fabulous. A, that's like a triple. I mean, that's not the okay the regular. And they do handmade. Those are those are the regular. <laughs> they do handmade curly fries. Really good place. That sounds
1: great, Sean. That you had. Oh. you could you could do your own I'm podcast on
2: this. I've been around. This I've been around. All right we come back we're going to close with some final thoughts on big 10 recruiting and what's next for nebraska you're listening here to the husker online show
3: you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com Live, that was all
2: live. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, post signing day edition. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Walshett. Thanks again to Abby Barmer for joining us here earlier with the mailbag. Uh, but guys, I want to go just down the rankings of the Big Ten, um, you know, where Nebraska finished uh, just outside the top 30 in the on three consensus rankings. Uh, they had been holding uh, strong at 28. I think I've seen them as high as 26. And I really like the consensus because it brings all four rating services into one. Everybody gets a 25% slice of the pie, yep. Yep. where in comparison, the, um, the 24-7 composite Two-thirds of that actually slants towards their ranking, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure on threes even included in there. So uh, what we have with this um, consensus ranking is a really accurate snapshot. Nebraska, just outside the top 30, um, they had as many signees, though, as anybody in the country. Uh, Nebraska with 28. Uh, Oregon had 30. Alabama had 28. Nebraska had 28. So Nebraska had the second most or was tied for the second most for power five um, in the Big Ten when you break down kind of where Nebraska fell in the Big Ten. They were fifth. And let me say there's quite a gap. Ohio State is far in a way the number one class in the conference. They had a 93.403 average. Mm-hmm. Then Penn State was a 91.62. Michigan an 89.67. Michigan State had a good class as well, 88.839. Then Nebraska at 88.004. So uh, Nebraska right there at number five and clearly number five. Iowa uh, about a point, 1.2 points um, are about two points lower than Nebraska in the rankings when you look at where Iowa was. I think Nebraska
1: fans feel good, the ones who follow this. They should. Um, to come in when Rule did and get this all in order, you guys have talked a lot about it. It's impressive. It is. I don't mind saying it. I, you know, I don't. I don't think people want to hear a lot of praise being heaped on Nebraska coaches at this point. A lot of that has been done over the years. People were kind of jaded. There's a lot of cynicism. But I um, I mean, come on. At this point, these guys have done, a, would say, a, a very good job.
4: Well, think about what they've had to do and the circumstances they've done it in, where they take over a program that's been the bottom of the barrel for mm-hmm. a long time now, where recruiting nationally at Nebraska ain't as easy as it used to be. And for mm-hmm. them to come in and in two months assemble a borderline top 30 recruiting class with – four, four stars. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good and that's not even counting the transfers they got. So, yeah. I mean, again, I, when we, when we praise the job these guys have done, it's all in the context of the, the current situation where in the two months that we've had to analyze the work of the staff, there's been a lot of positives, and this late, the, the kind of bow on the recruiting class, I think, is, is right up there as one of the top, top reasons for
2: that. Guys, Michigan State, though, you look at what they did. Mm-hmm. They only signed 16 guys, eight of them were consensus four stars. Wow. Yep. That's so, as many man, as Michigan. Mel Tucker put together a good class, but Ohio State's at a different level 19. 19 four stars, Penn State at 15, Michigan has eight, Michigan State, A8, and then Nebraska, four.
1: See, here's the thing about that. you. Oh, God. I mean, this is kind of a cliche conversation. But that divide in college football is not great for anybody. You know, it's it's funny, Rob, Sean, if I ask you guys, hey, who do you think the top four teams in the country are next year? You even have to really think about it. No, I mean, you just have to think about the order a little bit. But what are you going to do? Georgia, right? Uh, Alabama, right? Ohio State, right? Maybe Michigan. Maybe Michigan. Clemson. Clemson. Then what?
2: Oklahoma,
1: uh, maybe Oklahoma, but I mean it's USC. Yeah, USC. It's the same teams all the time. Now Florida State has 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 caught a little bit of fire under Mike Norvell, and I saw in Schleybaugh's way too early ratings they were third, mm. um, so or fourth. They're top five. So um, there's a f- teams that can break into there, but that Ohio State gap. I mean it. What do you do? I mean, well, here's the thing, guys. Rule has to think about that. Matt Rule has to think about that, and he has to think about how these national titles, these national titleists are concentrated in the South. And, and really the
2: Southeast. And this is what the playoff era has, he has to think sh- about it. shown us. In the non-playoff era, Ohio State, with far less talent, can beat Miami in a one game all scenario, Who's championship that? game. Ohio 2002. State. Oh yeah. Nebraska as a, 17 and a half point dog against an absolutely loaded Florida State team in nineteen ninety three can win that game almost, but when you go to a playoff and you got to win two, three games, um, TCU Georgia, you, you know, perfect example.
4: That was you know, a national championship game and it wasn't even remotely competitive. Sixty five to seven. I mean, it
2: was the biggest blowout in those NFL rankings. <laughs> play out in a playoff. Yeah, that's that's what I like. You can win one game with Great a month point. to prepare. Yeah. But to win the second and the third game Ooh, against – And it's like, all about the Jimmys and Joes. And, and less time to prepare, talent wins out.
1: And, oh, God, yes.
2: And then we saw that where – you know, I think Michigan was the better team. I mean, I know we'll argue about this, but I, I thought Michigan had more talent than TCU. Yeah. But TCU oh, – No, I agree with you on TCU that. had – but Ohio State had equitable talent to Georgia.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: And they should have probably yeah, won should. that. Game. They had every chance to win. Oh, they.
1: you know, they got to be sick. Still, Ohio State after what?
4: Ohio
2: State, I think, would have rolled TCU as well. Yeah, right. There's there clearly a sick. gap
4: between TCU and those other teams. I and, you would... know, Mi- Michigan, I, I agree with you. It's that that month of prep, and you know, Michigan made a lot of mistakes. Their goal line play calling was atrocious. So
2: it's like Boise State beating Oklahoma when Adrian right. Peterson was at Oklahoma. Yeah, if they had to go and turn around and do it again and the play next... another one of those teams. Like you can do it in That's one a good game, point. but a, good point. a playoff exposes. All right. Well, what what's next for Nebraska guys? So, the coaches are back. It's dead period. They can't go on the road again for recruiting until April. Um, what's really going to be going on now is is winter workouts. Um, there's about six more weeks left of winter workouts before spring break. The coaching staff can go watch these workouts. Um, so this Monday okay. for a lot of programs everywhere was kind of the first day coaches went to go watch their teams work out. You're going to see Matt rule and his staff in that office every day at 5 AM down there watching those guys work out. They can watch. Can they coach observe observe? Yeah. You're limited in what you can get involved with. I think you can do some things in film room and other you're, I think it's called the 20 hour rule and X amount of those hours can be like meetings and film time and other things. But a, there's going to be a lot going on behind the curtain the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something. These are rugged workouts. Mm-hmm. Mat be a l- drills. A little bit, of,
2: yes. I, um, and you thought they were like wrestling matches. I
1: didn't know. I, I wondered. Did they um, wrestle? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why well, do they get on a mat? I don't know. Anyway. They're going to have
2: guys fight for their position. Yeah. You fight him, and the yeah. winner keeps their job. Just, just bare knuckle.
1: Wouldn't you call this a... <laughs>
2: All right, uh, a little bit of a, we- <laughs> a weeding out process. This I is, mean, this, some of that will go on sure. here, right? Yeah. You're trying to get guys to quit right now. Yeah. Like you're trying to find out who's in and who's in just for the check.
1: That's you know? now that's different than get seeing who will quit. I think it's more about what you said second there, John. I think it's more about seeing who's in, you know, and and some guys won't be
2: in. And who's in for the shoes, the gear, and the amenities versus like the work that mm-hmm. Matt rule and these guys. And we've seen this with every coach when they come in, Scott Frost, when he came in, I mean, had several guys go to the hospital. <laughs> Rabdo. Yeah. There's the Rabdo. Remember that? Mm-hmm. that? That
1: was a thing right out of the gate. Yep. That, that little receiver went, that little receiver. Showed, Lindsay. Yeah. Tajon Lindsey. Lindsay. Yeah. It was a, it was fairly controversial. Well, well, was. You know,
2: back then, like the, it was funny because people were so fired up about Frost. You, you know, when I gave s- speeches around the state that winter, like, People, like, chuckled that guys were, like, in the hospital from workouts. They were like, good, them boys need that. Same you know, I mean, Sissy Riley workouts. I mean, <laughs> it was it was just so funny, the narrative. I mean, you had guys literally, like, in the hospital right. from serious conditioning things. Mm-hmm. I think it was
4: Terrence Knighton was talking about, you know, the coaches being down there and watching workouts. He said that they could tell guys are nervous. Like, the, the intensity has picked up a little bit this mm-hmm. week with – the coaches now. I mean, there's there's face to face, like yep. actual work being done. It's not just meetings and I'll talk. Like there's there's action now, that's and intense. I think that's uh, that's
2: raised the bar a little bit, which which is, can only be a good thing. And I was told the first workout the coaches were down there, like guys messed up a lot and were nervous, just mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows what that scholarship chart says. It says 103 right now. Everybody knows there's only 85 seats on the bus. Guess what? There's going to be 18 guys off that yeah. bus.
1: Yeah, but like rules said today, new rules in college football take care of a lot of it. Um,
2: if you don't want to play football or leave Nebraska, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> and you know, Sean, like you've mentioned too, there's guys that can, with NIL, like they can get scholarship type of true. That's part uh, of it. Pay or whatever you want to call it, but yeah, uh, they call it
1: pay. It's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean there were starters
4: last year, but that, if they that don't
2: want them on the roster, mm-hmm. right. Are, are they? Is the collective going to just offer to pay their their scholarship? Probably not. Probably not. I Probably mean, not. So yeah, it, it will get dicey um, with kind of the next few weeks. Uh, you also heard Matt Rule say uh, Tom Osborne is going to be the keynote speaker at the Coach's clinic. I think Matt Rule has gone out of his way to make sure he gets in front of the Osborne situation and, and you know embraces him, has him in the program. Uh, the, I don't think it. Sean, I don't think it's a situation. No, but, well, I, 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 I think, go back to, like, the Callahan era. Okay. But Osborne was in the middle of being a congressman, so it was kind of hard for him to get here anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't think they... Why, why wouldn't it just be Rule respects Tom Osborne and wants him to speak at the clinic? It doesn't have to be a political move, right? No. That's, I'm.
2: But everything here is political.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's the old guard that, you know, is a bit dismissive of Matt Rule because he's an outsider, you know, where... Yeah. They had guys that were one of their own that are no longer here, and they wanted them here. And now by embracing the most legendary figure in Nebraska football, uh, I think that's a good way to maybe mend those bridges a little bit.
1: I suppose it could be that.
4: For the fans and for those former
1: players. I just wonder if it's Matt Rule has a lot of respect for Tom, and I want him to speak at my event. First clinic. Yeah, my first clinic. I don't know if it's a political move. I, I, I'd I like
2: to think it's not. I hope um, down the road, Matt Rule gets Zach Taylor to speak at one of his calls. Oh, that'd be that'd awesome. Be sweet. Like Zach yeah. will, and Zach would that do That would it. be awesome. Like, And that will happen. I think it will down the road. Yeah. Um, it should. It should happen down that'd the road. That'd be great. Yeah. But, all right, guys. Well, uh, that wraps it up. Great show. Uh, lots of great coverage on HuskerOnline.com as well uh, from signing day. So, make sure you check us out. Twenty nine ninety nine gets you access to the site all the way until... August 31st, so make sure you check out huskeronline.com. And also make sure uh, we'll have a show later this week uh, where we'll be joined by Matt Rule um, on the Husker Online Headlines show that drops Thursday. Uh, he'll join Sip and I, so make sure you log on to catch that as well.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.